All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Stepping up to the plate, a right-hander from Leewood, Kansas, Jonathan Fink. We're talking to Jonathan Fink, author of The Baseball Gods Are Real. CJ and Smitty and I read Volume 3, The Religion of Baseball. And Jonathan, I have to tell you, I think CJ and Smitty would agree. One thing we've noticed since we started doing this podcast is there are certain people in this world that paranormal events literally follow them wherever they go. We recently talked to a couple who had paranormal events in California. They moved to Arkansas, and literally it followed them there. Un- you know, they had no idea it was going to happen, but it happened. And and more paranormal events c- continue to follow them to this day. And we've seen that with many people that have been on this show. Now... You mentioned baseball movies. What's your number one baseball movie? It's Field of Dreams for sure. Field of Dreams, and then and then Major League, which I also mentioned, is my favorite baseball comedy. But um, yeah, Field of Dreams was actually on this past week, and you know, for the channels, when I when I come across that film, I just gotta watch it to the end because it's you know, by the end you you cry. You know, it's uh, it, it's beautiful. What about you, Tim and Smitty? What are your favorites? The Natural. The natural, love the, yeah, love the natural. Robert my, Redford. My favorite scene from the natural is reminiscent of my own personal favorite scene from adult softball at Top <laughs> Mississippi. When I, when I, when I hit the the outfield lights with the home run, and I was just like, man, this is my natural moment right here. But so it's my favorite scene, obviously. I love it. Shout out to Topsy Mississippi, also a home of. Possum head man. CJ, what's your favorite? Oh, you know, I grew up on baseball movies. Now that we're talking and I'm thinking about it, I watched The Sandlot and I watched Angel Field on repeat, but my go to favorite is definitely A League of Their Own. I love that movie. Oh, yeah, another good one. I thought you might say that. Uh, the uh, Bang the Drum Slowly is a good one. Most people probably haven't seen that. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. That. Banging the Drum Slowly. It's a. Uh, Bang the drum slowly. It's got a. It's actually got Robert De Niro and uh, what's Angelina Jolie's father's name? Oh, John Voight. What? It's got John Voight in it. Yeah, John Voight. He's the pitcher, and uh, Robert De Niro's a catcher, and he's dying. And it's a really good movie. It's kind of sad, but it's it's a great movie. Cool. I'll check that out. Thank you. And. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about your accidents. I was thinking about Dizzy Dean, you know, how he had the line drive in the All-Star game, hit him on the toe, and it ruined his whole rest of his career. Well, that's you the know, freak he injuries. broke that toe. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of freak injuries. No, but he broke that toe, and then he, he had to switch his pitching style, and it literally blew his arm out eventually. And he didn't last two or three years later. 
But I mean, he was on the greatest, one of the greatest teams, you know, the Gas House Gang, the Cardinals. He won, I think he won 30 games that year. And then he did that, and his career was never the same. It's pretty interesting. It's interesting. When injuries happen, I mean, injuries happen to players all the time, but when they happen frequently and when they happen in freaky ways, then I think it's not a coincidence. I think it's it's spirit, you know, trying to get your attention. My, I, my book in the freak injuries, I read about how, look, when you're a ball player and you got a broken ankle and you're in your bed for, for, for two months doing nothing, thinking about the game you miss and you love, you're also being retrospective, thinking about your life, the choices you've made, the good and bad, and things you might do different. And during that time of introspection, you might come across things that maybe were not becoming or things you wish you, you didn't do or you regret. And, you know, look, spirit, you know, likes forgiveness. And so I think when people forgive them, not just others, but forgive themselves, those are the kind of things that release, yeah. you know, the bad karma and, and um, the curses go away when people, you know, get right. So, um, so yeah, freak entries are an interesting thing, um, and they continue to happen. Um, uh, in my book, I feature a lot of a crazy story that happened with the Kansas City Royals, my favorite team. You know, um, uh, Ned Yost, our, our manager, was out hunting uh, on the offseason, and he fell off his, you know, his 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 shooting porch, and you know, he was bled to death. Um, we had a pitcher who was uh, fixing his barn in Oklahoma. And uh, he fell through the barn all the way down and broke several bones and missed half the season. We, you know, these are not injuries that are just happening. Oh, because you, you pulled a hamstring around on second base. These are injuries that are happening in freak ways. And um, now, of course, Ned Yost, he was out there hunting, killing animals. Maybe Spirit doesn't like you, you know, doing that, right? The guy on the barn, I don't know what, what his, his karma might have been, but but there's there's bizarre <laughs> about injuries um, that I think is interesting. And I even say in the book. Um, if you're a healthy ball player and your life is good, skip the, the thoughts will manifest. But however, if you have been getting injured a lot lately and in freaky ways, read this chapter very, very closely because, you know, there might be a reason to uh, to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we just had a listener with an interesting theory for you, Jonathan. So listener Edward Willikins said that sometimes spirit puts us into bad situations to change our minds about something. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that is well, well, well said, my friend, that, that is right. Let's, let's get, let's get that for a second. If, if our lives were all just roses and rainbows, would we have any spiritual growth? I'd say probably not. Um, you know, Buddha was the first to say that. And, and by the way, Jesus said the same thing. Um, suffering is a prerequisite for spiritual growth. Now, why is that the case? the same reasons that freak injuries um, make you introspective. Um, I think that that's a, that's a really keen, keen insight. So well, well said. Thank you. Good stuff. Also, I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know, uh, do you remember Mark, the bird Fidrich, the pitcher? I remember, the, I remember the nickname, the bird. I don't remember what he's known for. Though. Yeah. He actually was, killed in a freak accident he was i think he was working with his tractor or something he got hung up like in the pto and it ended up it choked him to death but he was like one of the hottest pitchers of the time during that period of time he would actually talk to himself and people thought he was talking to the baseball but he was trying to calm himself down and it was a terrible way to go but he was one of my i mean of course i don't even know if i was alive when he pitched but i i like to go back and watch him 
pitch on the classic stuff because he was such a good pitcher. And uh, he was really dominating on the mound. It was, it was pretty interesting. That is good. That's a, that's a tough way to go. And I, and I, death in and of itself is one of those concepts that's hard to get your head around. You know, why did bad things happen to good people is an interesting question. Um, but again, maybe bad things happen. Like your, your, you know, your, your listener said, bad things happen. So we have suffering and through those setbacks, that's, you know, that's where we find ourselves. And that's where we, we gain spiritual strength to move, to move on. And a lot of times, you know, Bruce Springsteen has a song. He said, what did it go? One step forward, two steps back, right? Sometimes the universe is going to hand you bad cards and not only will it create suffering, maybe it's a test and maybe throughout your life you get tested. And it's funny when I was, when I was a kid, I would study for a test, but I would say, Jonathan, when you get out of college, your life is a test. Every day is a test, right? So I think that's a good point, you know, that setbacks in life, suffering, barring the suffering from death. I mean, the bird, I mean, he didn't have a chance to redeem himself. That's just how he, his soul conscious was to go out, I guess, but uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. But, um, but yeah, I, I like the idea that, um, that while there is free will and nothing's preordained, that the idea that maybe God does, you know, throw us curveballs, right? To use a baseball term, because um, it's through those curveballs that we strike out, we fail, we suffer, we collect ourselves, get back, dust ourselves off, get back on our feet, and we try again. And um, and that's always what it's all about. As, even as a dad, I always tell my kids, look, I don't, I don't care what you get on your test. I care if you tried your best. If you tried your best and you got to be minus, well, you tried your best, all you can do. But if you didn't hustle, if you didn't try hard, and then you didn't do well. Well, that's on you, right? You know. So, yeah, um, it's all a mystery to me. I take that back. It was a truck, and he got he got caught up in the power shaft. But he pitched for Detroit. He was like rookie of the year. Uh, had a nineteen and nine record. He was he was a pretty good pitcher, and he had some of those things that you talked about these rituals that they go through. He would fix the cleat marks on the mound. Mm-hmm. He would crouched down on the mound he would talk to the ball he talked to himself and people just like to watch him pitch because you know didn't really know what he was going to do he was very unpredictable and he would he'd even take and act like the ball was a dart he'd aim it like a dart and then did throw so he was a very interesting individual yeah I, I, that is interesting you know about about, about the birdman he, he, his nickname was the birdman wasn't it was it the birdman was that was that Dennis yeah, Mark the bird figure. Bird, the bird. Yeah. Well, the the idea of superstition and and ritual is interesting. You know, some 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 have said that the best athletes they're all spiritual and religious. And when you think about a superstition or ritual, if that there's something paranormal in a positive way by doing these rituals and believing these superstitions. And so isn't that in and of itself religious? I mean, almost every religion um, has rituals. They all have superstitions. And so the, the same way that when you, you know, no more Garcia Parra took off his gloves, you know, redid his gloves after every pitch. And by doing that stuff, it's helping reset your mind. It's getting you focused, but maybe it's also helping you get into the zone, right? And when you're tapping it, when you're in the zone, isn't that sort of like when you're channeling spirit, right? You know, when a player goes into the zone, yeah. he can do no wrong. And so these rituals and superstitions, I think, are, are by design to help players be more comfortable in uncomfortable situations, but also to help them get focused in the, in the zone. And then once you're in the zone, um, you know, the zone can last, you know, you know, for months, 
you know, if, if you're lucky when you can get into the zone. Um, and and players are always trying to get back get back there. But yeah, the, the, the superstitions and the rituals are a really fun part about baseball. But all sports have them, by the way. But it does seem much more pronounced in baseball. Um, the quirky things people do, you know, um, shaving, not shaving, wearing certain clothes before the game. Um, you know, uh, this is all weird. You know, you know, Alex Bregman once shaved and was playing the Royals and he was having a slump. He went to the clubhouse and he shaved, came back and he got a base hit. And he's like, yeah, how to get out of the slump? I had a shave. It seems preposterous. But sometimes <laughs> you got to do something to break, break, break the funk, get out of the mojo. And um, a lot of that is energy, right? It's energy, spiritual energy. And so... Mm. Um, the same way that, that a player can go into a batting slump, that, that energy, the momentum can continue. They also can go, you know, conversely. And so when the Birdman was doing those rituals and superstitions, he was doing what he needed to, to kind of get into that zone. And, and, um, up until he passed, you know, he had a good career, right? So, um, those things, yeah. you know, some will say you, you, you're, you're, you're crazy for doing all these little, these, these little things. Um, but, but I don't think it's crazy. I think it's just things that players do to get comfortable. And by the way, in baseball, and in all sports, so much is out of your control. You know, a pitcher can't control if the umpire is going to call. He can't control if a, if a, if a second base is going to make an error, right? So in a world or in a game where there's so many things that are out of your control, the one thing you can control is your emotions and calm. And so those rituals and superstitions basically are, are, are what that does for a player. It helps them stay calm and focused so they can control at least themselves, right? And that And that's the best they can do. Yeah, right. there was actually one major league player who they called him. I think they called him the the one man weather delay or something. He he took so much time between pitches. It was like an insane amount of time. <laughs> he would unstrap his gloves. He would strap them back on. He'd rub his bat down. He'd get some dirt rub on his hands. I can't remember who that was though, but they called him the one man weather delay because he was so long in preparing for every pitch. Yeah, it's brilliant. It took a it exhausted. You know who that was? I don't, but think about the opposing team, right? How frustrated could that, that batter be waiting for that pitcher to throw the next pitch? And at, in that frustration, they're not getting out of the zone and probably will miss that next pitch when it comes, right? It's kind of brilliant. Oh, for sure. Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dutch Mounts. We would love for you to follow us and give us a five-star review. Check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. There you will find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon. This podcast is made possible with support from listeners like you. We are also brought to you by Coma Toast Tacos, home of Squatching.com, where you'll find my Bigfoot-themed children's books. We appreciate you. Stay tuned for more from author Jonathan Fink. We're talking to Jonathan Fink, author of The Baseball Gods Are Real. And Jonathan, one of the most fascinating... You, you were talking earlier about players getting breaking out of slumps. And in your book, Volume 3, The Religion of Baseball, you talked about what I found to be the most fascinating way of all to break out of a slump. And I fully intend, the next time I get into a tennis slump or a sand volleyball slump, to try to recreate this on my own to bust out, and that is seemingly, for whatever reason, having a UFO encounter oh, is almost guaranteed to break you out of your soul. Yes, all right, so let's get into this. Okay, so Daryl Evans, 
I even had a couple notes here. Just make sure I, I got to those things. In 1982, he's playing for the San Francisco Giants, finishing the game, goes home on the back porch with his wife, who was a, who was a stewardess, by the way, and perfectly clear, quickly bright. And this UFO comes in. And as most of them do, they, they hover, right? Because, again, if it's just going straight by, it could just be a plane. Who knows? It hovers, kind of let, lets them know, yeah, I know, you know. And then, boom, like Flash and I, it zip, zips out of the way. And then, of course, um, right after that, he, 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 he was in a terrible slump, starts playing great. Now, by the way, he was already a veteran at that time. And then he signs a new million, multi-million dollar contract with Detroit and then goes on to win the World Series. And by the way, I have another one here. I mentioned, um, you know, mentioned the book. Um, it's not always, always baseball where the UFOs show up. It could be golf events. It could be, you know, soccer events. In, in Florence, Italy, it was in 1954, 10,000 people in the stands, two silver objects hovering over the stadium. Literally, the game stopped, not because a ref blew the whistle. Every single player was just looking up in awe because they all saw it and the ball just moved and, 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 and stopped moving and everyone for 20 minutes just stood there and these these orbs were dancing they were even uh, releasing some kind of like silver particles from the sky and what's so brilliant about these these is that look when when you have testimonials guests on your show that see ufos it's two people driving on some dirt road in the middle of the night it's only their they're the only ones who saw it, right? When you have events like the Mariana incident, which was in Helena, Montana in the 1950s, where 400 people saw the orbs in the sky, or in 1962 in Vancouver, Canada, when two minor league teams were playing, uh, and 600 witnesses saw orbs in the sky. Um, so with Daryl Evans, it was just him and his wife, but the proof of it was the benevolence that the, the aliens gave him because he went on an amazing hot streak and he became a, a, a World Series champion. And by the way, uh, Florentina, the soccer team that was hosting that game in Florence, Italy, the next season, they won the championship. What? Seeing a UFO, you know, could get you out of a slump. You know what? Sometimes, you know, um, a lot of things can get you out of a slump, but it has to do with changing your routine. You know, and seeing a UFO with your own eyes that, that nothing's going to change your your your, your frame of mind, and your perspective, than something like that, and the fact that he um you know wound up having you know several more years in, in the big leagues and playing awesome, winning a World Series, having had that experience, and then by the way sharing that story with the world. I mean, he could have kept that story to himself, but he felt he felt con, uh, compelled to share that story, and I'm glad he did because it gives people like all of us you know more vindication and validation that there is something going on up there and all around us, right? And um. And we shouldn't be scared of that because, again, if, if all if, remember if all the aliens were evil, they would have invaded us already. Maybe they're actually benevolent, right? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, just put plant that seed right there. Certainly, seeing something like that makes you realize how small you are and how insignificant your problems are. So maybe that does help people refocus, yeah, what they're worried about and clear their mind a bit in terms of you know whatever their slump is it becomes less significant than before right on my mom used to always say as a kid jonathan when you hear somebody else's problems you'll take your own back mm-hmm. right so almost be grateful for your own suffering isn't that the truth? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know i i think this whole notion of encountering ufos and breaking out of your slumps it actually has its roots all the way back to ancient times right like if we look back 
at Bible stories and ancient stories of encounters that people had with heavenly beings or unexplained crafts. You know, in my recollection, quite often they went on to great things for whatever reason immediately after that. And so even all the way back into ancient times, this was a thing, right? Unexplained encounters with otherworldly entities and your life changes uh, for whatever reason. And it, it, like you said in your book, the baseball gods are real. It still seems to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to just mention something earlier that you mentioned about how some of your guests on the show have talked about how these paranormal events follow them wherever they go. So I, I never knew what a spirit animal was before I got into this, this book writing stuff. But the Native Indians say that with a spirit animal, you choose a spirit animal or they choose you. So in my Music Guide series, I write about how I used to manage a band called Scarecrow Collection. I then went on tour with a band called The Black Crows. Um, uh, and, and yeah, and then everywhere, everywhere I would go, this crow theme would come up. In fact, when I did a past life regression, uh, I went back to a life where I was a native Indian and I was able to find what tribe that was. It was in Montana and it was the Crow tribe. And in my second book, I write about my, 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 my adventures to Montana to learn more about the crow. But I can tell you that um, now crows are birds that are known around the world. They're, they've been around for thousands of years. And unlike some birds that migrate in certain areas, crows are worldly. So I don't, so to be fair, but I live in Kansas City. But I can tell you that the, the crows literally come to my house almost every day. I'll be typing something, I give a thought, and I'll hear a crow outside like, answering my question. And when I was in Palm Springs last month, the crows found me there. When I was in Texas with my son for a baseball tournament recently, the crows found me there. When my daughter was looking to go to school at Tulane last month, we were in New Orleans, they found me there. And I take, I take video all the time because you can't make this stuff up. And I know when you see one crow, two crows, three crows, you count crows from the old poem. And the, in the number of crows, there's a meaning. And, um, and so it seems preposterous that, um, that these crows would follow me around. It's not the same crows, obviously. It's different crows. They, they didn't get from Kansas to California. But inexplicably they continue to find me. And if it wasn't for my son to be my witness, people would think I'm crazy. But my, I, I told my, I told my son, I said, Nate, they're probably your spirit guide too, because they're, they're showing up in your life as well. But the fact that these crows follow me everywhere is just totally bizarre. And I take pictures of them because I want to prove it to people because you wouldn't believe it. Uh, but I definitely have a spirit animal and it's the crow and it's, and it's, it's an awesome mammal to have yours as a spirit animal. It's a great, it's, a, it's fascinating. Interesting enough, they're, they focus on the afterlife. That's what they're known for. And so is it any coincidence that I write books about death and the afterlife and paranormal? Probably not. Um, it's probably my destiny, but I didn't, I didn't know that until, you know, a midlife crisis, you know, kind of like seeing a UFO. I guess a, a, a midlife crisis is sort of like seeing a UFO. It can kind of reset you and get you on a new path. I know for me, uh, going through that suffering was not fun, but I am now grateful for that suffering. So I'm, I'm grateful for where, where I am now in my life. And so, so, you know, long live the crows, and um, may they continue to follow me everywhere I go. <laughs> That's well yeah. said right there. So we actually have some breaking news. Jonathan, we're talking to Jonathan Fink, author of The Baseball Gods Are Real, Volume 3, The Religion of Baseball, specifically one of the books we're talking about tonight. And yes, breaking news at 10.19 p.m. Eastern. Listener George Winters, this ties into our UFO encounters and athletes breaking out of slumps. I did not see this, but apparently Baker Mayfield, star quarterback, or maybe I should just say quarterback, of the Cleveland <laughs> Browns, apparently 
has just had a UFO encounter. George is now swearing to take him high in his fantasy football drafts next year. George is still seeking that elusive <laughs> first fantasy football championship. And you know what? If this is true, if Baker Mayfield has just had a UFO encounter, I think that George may be on to something. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely draft him in your in your fantasy draft. That's that's good mojo right there. He's gonna have a big season if he sees a UFO, guaranteed. And, and by the way, that was in that actually maybe it's happened twice, but that originally happened in March 2021. I had it on my notes because it's the football gods are real too. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, he saw a UFO in 2016, and how's his how's his career been? Pretty good, right? So we all should be for you both to come visit us, I think, you know, because there, there's, some, there's some kind of good luck mojo. There's something there. But, yeah, well done on that Baker Mayfield one. That, that was awesome. He was leaving dinner with his wife, and, uh, and he put it on Twitter, is anyone else seeing this, what I'm seeing? And um, other people saw it. It was, it was real. Pretty cool. Now if we can just get a UFO to head toward Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my Cowboys might get back on track. Dak oh, Prescott, man. if you're listening, you, you're a Mississippi man. I know you've you've had some un, unexplained encounters. We need to tap into that. Well, you guys know I'm from Kansas City. And I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm actually a Chiefs fan too. Was that right? Right on. Smitty, you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah. I don't. Yes, funny, I, I don't recall that since ever. Had... I've known Smitty for like twenty years. I don't recall any mention of the Chiefs ever in previous. Explain, history. Smitty. Explain yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I just started being a Chiefs fan when they had old Christian Okoye, the Nigerian oh, nightmare. Oh yeah, the Nigerian nightmare. And, <laughs> yes, I've got. I don't get myself one of those nicknames. That's the real question. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they got Montana and Derek Thompson was like one of my favorite uh, defensive ends of all time. Yeah. And then he got killed in that car wreck. Or is it, it was Derek Thomas? Yeah, Derek Thomas. Derek, Derek Thomas. That's right. Yeah. Tragic. Like the Birdman. Tragic. Yeah. So I have a question. I have a question for Tim and Smitty. As I was reading this book, so Jonathan, don't answer yet. You're going, I'm going to give you your moment to uh, explain all of this. But were you guys aware of all of the connections with the number 108? No. In terms of baseball and religion? Well, this is a matter of synchronicity here because as Jonathan points out in his book, the Susan Sarandon character in Bull Durham used to be religious or actually used to not be religious until one way one or the other until she realized that there were 108 stitches in the baseball and i used to work for the durham bulls and that was my minor league no experience. Way. that's right cj and that's i both awesome. live right down the road from the from the durham bulls a fantastic minor league experience we were just reminiscing about our favorite minor league experiences, including the Montgomery Biscuits, home of yeah. Monty the Anthropomorphized Buttermilk <laughs> Biscuit, which they shoot into the stands, wrapped in They actually shoot biscuits out of a hive. t-shirt cannon into the stands. Of course, they are in 10 I love it. So it's, it's a pretty good so, experience. So unlike Smitty, I would say yes to some degree. I was aware of this phenomenon 
Well, I, guess well, I, I was not. I had no idea. So, Jonathan, tell us, because this, for me, reading the book, really, really stuck out. Tell us all of the connections between the number 108 and baseball and religion and all of the things that you found. Well, I don't know if this is a synchronicity per se, but because you guys have not read my very first book, The Baseball Gods Are Real, A True Story of Baseball and Spirituality. But this is page one. It's called, it's the introduction. It goes like this. In Bill Durham, a 1988 comedy about a minor league baseball team directed and written by Ron Shelton, the movie starts with a narration from the baseball-loving character Anne Savoy, played by Susan Sarandon. Quote, I believe in the church of baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isadora Duncan. I know things. For instance, there are 108 beads in a Catholic rosary, and there are 108 stitches in a baseball. When I learned that, I gave Jesus a chance. But it didn't work out between us. The Lord laid too much guilt on me. I prefer metaphysics to theology. Beautiful. Now, the best part about that quote is the number 108 is critical because to me because it's also how I coined the term the baseball gods are real. So John Perrin, who's the pitcher who's on my cover, um, I explained how we met. He became my apprentice. He became my son's pitching coach. And one, one time we were, we were uh, at a pitching session and it was a couple of dads were, were next to us and Nate had just finished with John and we were just chit-chatting and some made a comment about superstition. And then the father said, oh, you don't believe in that stuff, do you? Uh, and, I, and I said, sir, I said, John, tell this man the baseball gods are real, right? And that's how the expression came. And his reply was, there's 108, 108 stitches on a baseball and 108, stitches on, 108 beads on a rosary. And by the way, there are also 108 beads on a, on a yoga bracelet um, for, for meditation and prayer as well. So the number 108 um, transcends. And I also learned that in, in Kabbalah, Judaism, the number 108 stands for rain. And apparently rain has lots of symbolism because when rain happens, it, of course, is not just good for the crops and leaves, you know, give, you know, it's watering because it gives life. Um, it also can cleanse and, and start anew. So the number 108 is, is big. And the fact that, you know, the, the Cubs won their first World Series for 108 years, it's probably not a yes. right? Numerology is – well, here we go. Let's see it. I got, I got <laughs> hot, but I had, I had to wear my vintage starters, starter Cubs. Yeah. Windbreaker. This is a classic windbreaker. Love it. Just, just for you tonight, Jonathan. This is this. Yes, this is starter. The real deal. This is not a knockoff. And it, yes, it is a windbreaker oh, cool. because we used to need outerwear to protect us from the wind. So I had to wear that now, for everybody. Can you, you hip hop dance moves in the windbreaker? <laughs> what's that, what's that, Jonathan? You do hip hop dance moves in the windbreaker. When I was in the eighties, when I was a kid, everyone would do break dancing with the windbreaker. Oh, I can you know? worm. I can moonwalk in that. Oh, uh, that. A lot of, lot of stuff. So we actually have a listener, Jonathan, with some interesting connection to the number one hundred eight. Listener, anonymous brother, who also happens to be from Mississippi originally, like I am, and Smitty is currently Mississippi. Did I hear one of my co-hosts laughing at anonymous brother? He's a longtime listener of the show. Anonymous brother said that he managed to get his 74 Plymouth Valiant. And yes, he owns a 74 Plymouth Valiant. He bought it for $100. Maybe that was $50 too much. He managed to get his 74 Plymouth Valiant 
up to 108 miles per hour on County Road 108 somewhere in the Mississippi Delta. And I could tell you... Yeah, that's, that's a synchronicity. Absolutely. I as a Mississippi, and those are the kind of things that stick out in your memory. Like, this is one of my lifetime <laughs> favorite memories, you know. So you, this is no... This is this is synchronicity for sure with anonymous brother. Yeah, his comments are pretty great though. By the way, like I had 108 pieces of duct tape holding the exhaust pipe on, and I changed the fuel filter 108 <laughs> times due to a rusted gas tank. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, now, uh, so Ed, listener Edward Milliken had a question for you, Jonathan. If you're okay with a listener question, yeah, of course. He wants to know, why do you think the Diamondbacks have, have really only put together one championship season? Well, a lot of times it comes down to ownership and management. But I do have a, another alternative theory, which is baseball players don't want to play there. Um, <laughs> it's a dome stadium it's in Arizona. Arizona is very hot in the summer. And if you think about a ball player who plays for Detroit Tigers or the Philadelphia Phillies, when it's time for spring training, they get to go to Arizona, right, where it's warm. Uh, and then they get to leave and go back to their normal lives. And so I think that people, um, people in Arizona don't want to live in Arizona in the summer, I think. So I think that maybe um, it's hard for them to – right. So it might be hard for them because, you know, people don't want to live there possibly or, and, and they're there anyway for a certain part of the year. Um, I know, for example, just recently the Kansas City Royals – who have always been a small small market, low budget team. In the last few years, players have wanted to come to Kansas City because Dayton Moore, the general manager, is such a good person. He treat he actually took a pay cut to make sure that every minor league player got paid during the pandemic. Where the New York Yankees, which are worth five billion dollars, they cut forty five minor leaguers because they couldn't pay them. What? And Dayton Moore, I mean, the guy's a saint. He takes his own salary, gives it up for these guys, and so so when. We signed, you know, Carlos Santana, for example, from the Indians. Everyone was like, how do we get Carlos Santana? And the answer was, he wanted to play here. So I think that um, staff, the managers, the GM, the ownership, that's part of it. Also the location. Believe me, Kansas City is not, you know, we don't have an ocean. We don't have mountains. It's not probably not the first place people want to live. But they want to play for the Royals because it's a good culture. So I don't know the Arizona culture. Maybe it's not a good culture or whatever. But superficially, I think it's maybe because the Arizona thing, the dome thing, um, you know. And you know, maybe I can't think of the last time they've paid a big contract to anybody. So maybe they're they're responsible for their money. They don't, they don't pay out big. Um, and what, what the Yankees seem to do. So those are probably some some of the reasons. But I got I got to be honest. Um, the future for the Diamondbacks does not look good. Um, they're they're pitching good. They only have about you know two two stars left in, the, in their lineup and. Um, it could be a season for a couple years to come, I'm afraid. So um, so that's my, that's my take on I the Diamondbacks. I have another theory for you. Yeah. I have another theory sure. on why the Diamondbacks aren't great, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> this is more synchronicity, by the way, because one of our hosts actually lived yeah. in Arizona for a while. I did, yeah. I lived in Arizona for four years. I've been to that many times, but even more synchronicity here. Um, before you joined us, we were talking about our baseball connections. And my first ever job was at a minor league baseball stadium, the Lancaster Jethawks. No <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're and talking to I the was their mascot, a time or two, the uh, <laughs> Kaboom, the Jethawk himself. And now they no longer exist, and the Diamondbacks are terrible. So I'll let you read <laughs> into that however you please. <laughs> <laughs> 
Great theory. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. And I've actually been to the Kansas City Stadium. I saw George Brett play there. So that was that was pretty neat. Legend. Yeah. And, and it's a great park, right? You were, you were impressed with, with oh, the it's K, beautiful, right? man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how yeah. how beautiful it is. You know, and, and baseball is really meant to be played in the sunshine. It's meant to be played in, in the natural type of environment, you know, and I think that has a lot yes. to do with it. Arizona doesn't have that mecca kind of like Wrigley Field or, you know, Boston with a big green monster and and that type of thing. Uh, it's It's just totally different. And now San Francisco... Uh, stadium which sits right there on the bay you know it's beautiful and you know i think one of our listeners had an additional theory i believe this is in regards to the diamondbacks and we're talking to jonathan fink author of the baseball gods are real and i believe in volume three the original baseball you talk about curses and listener george winters i encourage you to check this book out george he believes it is the curse of the swimming pool. So I think that's Arizona, right? Isn't that Arizona? Yeah. Yep. I like that. I like that. What's yep. the curse of the swimming pool? The fact the stadium has one. Maybe it's a distraction. It's bad luck, perhaps. Oh, it does have a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But how do you get those seats? That's what I want to know. How do you get the swimming pool seats? And if you got them, know. would you actually swim in the pool during the game? Oh, people did. I don't think I would. People, people absolutely do, people did. Do. Yeah. And at the Lancaster Jetbacks when I worked there, there was a hot tub, like one of those standalone hot tubs oh, that my. people could like buy tickets to be in the hot tub at the game. So clearly their priorities were in the wrong place. I love it. What a great idea. Could it, could it time travel by chance? I was trying to think. I saw a, was that the Diamondbacks? Maybe that was the Marlins where they got the guys from Tank to go on there and make the big tank where they had all the fish and everything. That was pretty neat. That was the Marlins Stadium, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, Jonathan, I wanted to ask you something. What is your favorite stadium? And and part B of that question, which Major League Stadium Stadium do you most want to visit that you have not been to yet? Mm. Well, my favorite stadium, I mean, if I say Kauffman Stadium, that would not be fair, right? It's my home, my home stadium. It would it have to be Dodger Stadium in L.A. Um, such a beautiful park, such a great atmosphere. I've been there a couple times, my baseball god adventures. My pick is Dodger Stadium in L.A. And then as far as stadiums that I'd like to visit, um, you know, the new stadium in Arlington, Texas, Globe Life Park, my son, my son Nate, was invited to the – TCU baseball future frogs camp for eighth graders in January. We were down in, down in Fort Worth for that um, weekend and we drove to the stadium and, and, um, and it's incredible because the old stadium is still there and it's beautiful. You can't imagine why they would have to replace it with another new stadium, but the new stadium, Glow Life Park, you know, I think it's one or $2 billion to make. It looks just absolutely incredible. So I was able to drive around it, but I didn't get to go in it and see a game. So that's where I like, like to see a game is in uh, Arlington, Texas, Globe Life Park. Also, Los Angeles, of course, City of Angels. That could be one of your draws. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I've been to that stadium a long, long time ago. So, Jonathan, what's one of your 
favorite minor league experiences? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the the Montgomery Biscuits, right? <laughs> if you notice right here, this one right here, that's the Biloxi Shuckers uh-huh. from Biloxi, Mississippi. And my friend John Perrin, at the time, he was playing in the minor leagues for the Brewers with Double A Biloxi. So I watched every game he, you know, that that team played. So I watched the big games against the Montgomery Biscuits. But um, so I, I, I watched the Biloxi Shuckers for for two seasons. Every you know every game they played. Now I went down to Mississippi. I went to the stadium, and um, it's interesting because so many of the players on that Double A team from 2017, guys like Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. They're all now household, you know, household names with the Brewers. They, they all made it to the show. It's really, it's really remarkable. Taylor Williams was, was now with San Diego. Um, uh, Jorge Lopez with the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Maurice Dubon, who's with the San Francisco Giants. He, he was their shortstop. So like, that whole team was like a minor league all-star team at the time that John, John uh, played with them. And so uh, they'll, they will always be my, my favorite minor league baseball team because um, when John was was pitching for them that's when our friendship really blossomed uh and his apprenticeship became formal that was down in Biloxi where he said hey you know can I, can I work for you part-time um while I'm still you know grinding as a baseball player I'm like absolutely I, I you know you're, you're ready and so I'll always love Biloxi Mississippi and I'll always have a you know a cherished warm part for uh, the Biloxi Shuckers and um and it's just it's really fun to watch the those players continue to, you know, uh, and I, I look forward to the next, um, you know, we'll see if my stomach's to the show and where he plays. That'll probably become my next minor league favorite team. But for now, yeah, Blossy Shuckers. And, um, and uh, yeah, um, at that stadium, I didn't, I didn't like catch a ball or anything like that. But just watching, you know, my, my, my future employee uh, pitch in a real-life baseball game, someone who I met in a restaurant when he was busting tables, and I helped this kid not even knowing who he was. And, and then here we are, you know, a, you know, a year later, and I'm watching him pitch. Um, that was, that was surreal. And that will always be one of my, probably, you know, favorite baseball God moments. It wasn't a miracle or paranormal. It was just, you know, that knockish feeling, you know, that, that feeling, that warm heart feeling like, wow, this, you know, um, this person I became friends with who I'm helping mentor his career, um, you know, wow, he had a ticket away from me at the game and, you know, we're going out to dinner for the game. Like this guy works for me now. It's just, you know, how did that even happen? It's just so incredible. And so well, I'll always love the Shuggers and I'll always be grateful to John Perrin. We're still friends. We still stay in touch. He's got a full-time job now working for a new investment firm. And um, I'll forever be grateful to him because he made my son a great baseball player. And he was a catalyst for my book series. I don't think if my friendship with John happened, would I had written that first book? And, you know, now five books later, it's – um. It's such a big part of my life. It's an important part of my life. I'm forever grateful to John because he helped make that happen. That's amazing. And, you know, the synchronicity really continues here. Smitty lives in Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi. Grew up there my whole life. Listener Anonymous Brother actually lived in Biloxi for quite a while, if I remember correctly. So it's just really crazy that you would say Biloxi and Smitty I spent time in Biloxi. Yep, and- I know. I've oh, spent- yeah. Yes. I've had some good times. The South Carolina and the Mississippi, by the way, there's two of those right there. That's bizarre. So for those that haven't read your books yet, and you've got three on baseball and two on music and more to come, what would be the number one takeaway that you would want somebody to experience when reading your stories? That's a great question. I... I once was with a friend and an acquaintance, and I asked him, "Hey, what do you think of that, you know, my my new book?" He's like, "Why don't you ask me how did it make you feel?" Instead, 
I'm like, interesting. How did it make you feel? And so my answer to that question is, I want people to feel love and light when they read my books. I want my books to give hope uh, and happiness and joy. I want my books to entertain people. And I hope when when people finish my books, it's done the job of being a Trojan horse for spirituality. I realize that my books are about baseball and music, and that might be the reason why people might initially read my books. But ultimately, there's a mission with my books. They're, they're about spirituality. And so I hope people come away from reading my books feeling enlightened. Love that. I actually plan on writing a book sometimes about the last five pitchers who's won 30 games, because that will never happen again in the history of baseball the way it's set up now it, unless they change the rules and uh it, it, that's that's pretty interesting it's uh, a good idea I mean, go with it I'll, I'll, I'll publish it that's awesome oh yeah this, this has been great jonathan i really appreciate you coming on the show with us i loved your book the baseball gods are real volume three the religion of baseball i encourage all sports fans all paranormal fans if you're into ufos if you're into ghosts if you're into sports if you're into drama if you're into baseball pick this book up it is phenomenal it is amazing i it's a quick read because you you really want to turn the page and and get to the next chapter and see what's about to happen next i really enjoyed it i appreciate you coming on the show i think this is We've talked a lot about synchronicity tonight. I could feel it in the show. A lot of great vibes. I hope that you'll come back on with us one day. I would love to pick your brain on some baseball current events and different scandals and things happening in today's baseball from steroids to the Astros scandal to replay to how Major League Baseball is handling COVID. We can save all that for another time, but I, I bet you have some great thoughts on all those topics. Uh, I'll be ready to speak anytime you want. That was beautiful. I, I, I'm in. Count me in. Yeah. That's great. Well, I give the book two, two thumbs up. So. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. May the baseball gods always be with you all. Appreciate it. This is All Things Unexplained. Please tune in. Go to Twitter. Go to Facebook. We have our own website. Just like us. Give us a review. And thank you for listening. Thanks. We even got our own website. (laughs) Big time. This has been All Things Unexplained.